Okay, welcome everybody. I actually know one person here. Hello. Hello. <laughs> uh, so yes, as, as we prayed before for John, um, we've been friends for over 10 years. We met at Calvary Chapel in Old Bridge. I attend there for about 26 years now. I'm one of the elders there, and I run a ministry there, a bereavement ministry. So uh, if anyone knows of anybody that has a loss, or especially through COVID, um, separation, things of that nature, John has my number, and I do one-on-one counseling as well. So I just wanted to uh, bring that up and also tell you that John said, brothers, speak on what you wish, you know, what we'd like to. I'm going to speak on one of the Beatitudes, the fifth Beatitude, which is about grace. But I wanted to tell you that it's no coincidence. I had no idea what the theme of the children's ministry with their summer school was. And um, it's about trusting the Father over man. And so it's pretty interesting. When When you hear what I have to say, you'll see that it's no mistake. God's always in control. So to start... The fifth beatitude is found in Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. It's shortened to the point, right? I mean, we could just breeze right by it. And John actually actually told me, better, that uh, he had just gone through this maybe a few weeks ago. But uh, I'm really digging in deep on each one. And um, I'll just, we'll share and we'll see what the definition, there's two, for the word mercy. Now, the first one says, compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. So that's your control. You're in control of that. It's like forgiveness because the other person doesn't even need to know or be alive to be shown forgiveness, right? It's something that happens in your heart. So the other person is not as important. So it's the, tr- it's the same with mercy. So I just want to read it one more time because it's long. Forgiveness is shown towards someone whom it was, is within one's power to punish or harm. The second description or definition is compassionate treatment toward those in distress. So I believe that that's God's version. So we have man's version of mercy, and then we have God's version of mercy. Moving backwards for a second. Man's version is truly a matter of the heart. So here's an example. I realize that I want things done my way. Everyone wants things done their way. But imagine a world where everyone not only got the things that they wanted all the time, what would the world be like? And we're not going to go there, but we're kind of there right now where everyone wants things the way they want them. So it's really a recipe for disaster. We're kind of living in that now. But God, you ever hear that? Everything before doesn't matter. After that, I call it after the comma. When you have but God, everything after that you must listen to. So the first part is actually not as important. The second one, compassionate treatment toward those in distress. This is where I say God is in control. And the, the greatest example I have for that is I will do what the Lord would want me to do. You may have heard, you should treat people what? The way you want to be treated, right? So, if you think about it, 
are we doing that? So it's a self-assessment. No one has to say anything about it, but think about what you do in showing mercy toward others. So you either do, you could do better, or you don't do it at all. So again, think about that and pray about it. So I have a question, just by a show of hands, has anyone here ever been shown mercy? Okay. Usually that's man's mercy, right? I use the example of the courtroom and the judge, and he shows you mercy so you don't get the fine or the ticket. He he releases you from that. I'm going to share a personal story about that in a few minutes. But those of you that didn't raise your hands, the way of looking at mercy is I should have had this happen, but yet it I didn't suffer the consequences of those decisions. So it brings me back to when I first got saved, and it was 1995, and uh, I was not a Christian. I was living the way the world did, so I would go out to nightclubs on Fridays. I would go out to nightclubs sometimes on Saturdays, and then I'd go to church on Sunday and confess about all the sins that I had done Friday and Saturday. And this went on and on. And then one day, I think I was about 26, I almost heard an audible voice. Maybe I did, I didn't. And he said, the Lord said, there's a better way. Try me. And at that point, I stopped not going to confession because no one's perfect, but I stopped willfully sinning. Let's put it that way. So I realized there, that's the difference between man's mercy and God's mercy. So he, that's the point where I kind of saw emptiness in my life, emptiness in the world, and said, you know, I, I believe that the Lord, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with him. So I grew up Catholic, and uh, I was going there with the, called the Catholic guilt. And so after that point, I truly did start to live my life for the Lord. And uh, met my wife at the next year and uh, started a family. So it's almost as if I could hear the Lord say to me, Okay, Vinny, you've messed up again and again, but I think I'll show you mercy. And if I do, you'll learn what love is. So that's part one. Part two is, but if I don't show you mercy, then you'll be less likely to do it again. So (laughs) you've got God showing you mercy. But it's almost like God's not an enabler. He wants you to learn. So sometimes you do need to pay the price of your decisions, and then you'll learn that way. Uh, Someone told me once, or kind of challenged me with a question, why don't people steal? Have you ever heard this? Okay, there's two reasons. Number one, you might think, fear of getting caught. So why don't you steal? Most of the time, you're afraid of getting caught. But as believers, we think, no, it's wrong. I wouldn't do that. So you see the difference? The difference is God saying, I want you to understand, not fear me in a way that uh, you're just cowering in the corner of me because any bad decision you make, you're going to you know, get the punishment but to fear him in in I fear him because I love him attitude and I respect him because the relationship we have with the Lord isn't only when things go wrong that we pull out our Bible and we speak to him in these desperate prayers, right? But that's what people sometimes tend to do and they forget about him when things are going well. What I always say is 
the paycheck is good. You've got everything you need. The fridge is full. You really don't rely on the Lord that much. But as soon as start, you know, things start to come down from that comfort zone. So I think sometimes what I'm saying is he takes us out of that comfort so that he can shine. Um, so the story about me in the courtroom, I'll just briefly talk about this. Uh, I was driving in Philadelphia and was, uh, went through a yellow light. Everyone must know yellow. Uh, but I was told it was red and, uh, received the summons. I had to go to court. And uh, I don't know if you know about Philadelphia Traffic Court, but they have uh, their own building and there's seven sessions of court going on at the same time. And you go there and they kind of squeeze you into an active session. There's a little room, they'll squeeze you in. So you wait. And I was there for the whole day and finally got in and sat in the back waiting to be heard. So I'm the judge and there I am back there. And the... Uh, the judge was not merciful at all. He was really belittling people, every one of them, talking to them like, you know, he said to one person, you've gotten your license out of a Cracker Jack box? That's what he was talking about. So I said, oh, no, I'm next. What's going to happen? Um, I had a, a son in the children's hospital in Philadelphia, CHOP. And so we were there going to that. And um, he says, how do you plead? I said, not. He said, stop right there. Before you finish your sentence, if you say not guilty, it's going to be worse for you. So now how do you plead? I said, well, I don't know. I have a child in the hospital. I'm not. So I roll up my sleeves, and I had the hospital wristband on. And from here to there, to the back row, he saw the wristband and said, what's that? Is that from the hospital? And I said, yes. He goes, tell me your story. So I start telling him the story from the back. Nope, active court, bailiffs, prisoners, everybody that's here to, to pay their fines. And I'm having a conversation with the judge. And I tell him the story, and I saw his countenance change. This is the point of the story. I saw his countenance completely change, mouth opened, hits the gavel, dismissed, go spend time with your son. Right? So moral of the story is I don't think I made it out of the door before I started to cry because I saw mercy. But this is man's mercy now, don't forget. But I saw a picture, a little snapshot of mercy. And it truly changed me because I thought after I left the room and stopped crying and walked away, and it wasn't the money, it was the grace that I was shown. After I left there, I thought, this judge that was ripping everyone apart before me, who knows if his heart was changed and now everyone else for the rest of the day, he treated differently. He treated with grace. Now, judges can get pretty hardened from the things they hear and they see. They, they put that thick skin on so that they're, they can, they're able to do their job. Same thing with like surgeons and you know people in ICU units. They put on a, a thick coat so that they can do their job. And so it's no different with the judge. But it really hit me that the Lord touched him through my story and my openness and honesty, willing to just take the punishment. And so that was a man's mercy. And I hope you all get that point right there. It's not just that one moment, but what did it do to his heart after that? So, so again, the only thing if I left anything with you Everyone watches you. 
because you go to church in the morning on Sunday. They know you leave your house, your neighbors, your family knows. So you have people that I will call the unbelievers, the non-churchgoers, the the uh, C&E, have you heard of, the Christmas and Easter only, CEOs. Um, you have these people in the world that are just watching you. What are you leaving? Are you leaving grace and mercy and love? Because that's what the Lord is, right? Above all, when you break down all of his commandments, he is love. And he tells us to love. Second Corinthians 12.9, my power I'm sorry, there is a better way. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Right? His grace is sufficient for us. If we had five more hours together, I would ask you all to tell me your story of how God showed you grace. And I'm sure you all have one. A time where he blessed you and where he touched you, where something should have went one way and it didn't. And it's really important for us to not just walk past that. We have to look and remember because, I, like I said before, I don't want to leave here and have people not realize, you know, you have access to the Lord every moment of every day. To pray without ceasing, right, is, is in good and bad. Most of the New Testament was written by someone that was in prison. So I think we know that it's not the easy times where we can just take, um, you know, pick and choose when we rely and trust on the Lord. Um, I went way out of where I was going to go. Mercy is mentioned 467 times in the Bible. It must be important if it's that many times. Okay, I do challenge you, look up a few of them. I picked four that I'd like to go over that I think kind of work with what I'm talking about and also the children that were just up here too. I think it all ties together. First one is Matthew 18.33, where it says, shouldn't you, always, uh, shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant, even as I had mercy on you? So in my words, it would be seeing mercy, wanting mercy, and then giving it. So you see it, then you desire it, and then that's what God's ultimate plan is, giving it out. It's like the example that some people will become Christians because of what the example you left them. It's the same reason why some people won't become Christians. What are we leaving with them? What do they see when they see us? So that's another self, Matthew 18.33. Mark 5.19 says, Jesus said to him, Go to your house, to your friends, and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. So my point for this one is share in times when you were shown mercy, like I just did for you, by man and by God, and why. Why do you think you were shown mercy? I believe when you share your story, it softens people's hearts. So we have a story that maybe brought you to here today, good, bad, or indifferent. Tell it. Now, don't glorify it. Don't glorify, oh, back in the day when I used to do this, what does that have to do with glorifying God? But it can be a catalyst to bring you, right, to that point. So 
You might not be a street evangelist. You might not want to come up here and talk, but you have neighbors and you have unsaved family members. Am I right? Everyone does. So these are the people that when, for instance, you get together for a party and you kind of dread going to that party for whatever the reasons are, so-and-so is going to be there. It's going to be a lot of alcohol. There's going to be this. There's going to be that. Everyone backstabs each other. You don't go for those reasons. You go, I tell everyone, when Mary and I are invited to a wedding, we go early and we leave early. Why? Because they won't remember the rest of the night anyway. Right? After everything starts flowing, call it the spirits are flowing, they won't remember us leaving. But we have an impact when it starts and we have an impact. I said, the, the worst thing is we miss the cake. That's it. And we don't need it. But... We can be an example just by how we, we play out, uh, you know, not a role, but how we are. People see what we are. Uh, Luke 150, his mercy is for generations of generations on those who fear him. So I believe that, and I got this from Charles Stanley, I stole this, um, us being believers, being Christians, are a closed link of a chain. Every link before us was broken, but every link after us is closed. Now, what is a closed chain? It's strong. It's dependable. It's not easily broken. I've seen, I work in construction. I've seen two ton pieces of equipment being lifted by a chain that's this wide. And you know, that's us. If you think of yourself as a closed link of a chain, what you're going to see is that every decision, now you have small children, grandchildren, those kids are look, looking at you very hard. And they're going to see this closed, consistent, you know, person that loves God. And they're going to want to be like that. So more important, that's, um, I also put in here, those that would be affected. Think of this, children. What about your coworkers? What about your neighbors? And then your unsaved family. So, I mean, everyone watches you. So just keep humbly, humbly asking the Lord to use you without saying any words. St. Francis of Assisi had a very good quote. Maybe John's had it, uh, had said it. But it says, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. So you are a living, people are watching you, and you haven't opened your mouth. So it's a challenge, but I'd like to, you know, that's what challenges me. Uh, the last one, John 9.3, neither he nor his parents sinned, answering Jesus, but he was born, you guys know the story? He was born blind, in order that God's mercy might be openly shown in him. So the blind man. Okay, mercy here means works of God. So if you look back in the Bible and you think about why God healed on the Sabbath, why he didn't listen to man about, you know, the rules of what you can do and a certain day that you can't do it in this way was so that they would see God, that he would get the most impact. And here's this man that can't see. Everyone ignores him. Same with the lame man. Same with all these parables that you that you know and have heard. Uh, the woman at the well. I mean, there's so many. Why did he do these things at those particular times? So people would see. 
right? So that was his game plan. So I also want you to know that if things are not going 100% well, we look at the world. I'm on a news fast, just so you all know. It depresses me. I can't watch it. So I feel like the world is just weighing you down, taking your joy. Now, joy can't be taken from you because joy is of the Lord. Uh, people always get confused about happy and joy. And they say, well, I'm happy today. That's because things are going your way. You're joyful no matter what, no matter what. But I don't want to add to, you know, by, by puffing, you know, putting the news in, it takes that joy away. It's just a, you know, a challenge, if you would. Um, that's all I have. So I will be around after. Thank you for having me.